0: That are alive, you are coming with me.
1: What is this bullshit? Good trash, genre cast. I love you. I know.
0: on right hand. Wax off left hand. Get to the chopper! I have come here to chew bubblegum
1: and kick ass.
0: All of Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Undercast, where we talk about the films that you will never, in this case, always never discuss in a film studies course. This week, we're looking at Denzel Washington's film *Fallen*. The last of our films in our hashtag #ABWD. Always be watching Denzel movie marathon. Denzel, we hardly knew ye. And so it's um, It's a musical number that we're going to be doing this week um, from Denzel, one of the rare uh, musical turns. He's quite the clogger and tap dancer, yeah. as we will discuss here in just a few minutes.
1: As he plays a uh, blind pianist in an upscale New York club. Uh, who falls head
0: over heels for The Lounge Singer. Yeah, that's the thing that happens. It's weird that Denzel also plays The Lounge Singer.
2: I'm, uh, wow, you guys really kept that going. He's a one-man band. That yeah. was really impressive. <laughs> I'm really proud of both
0: of you. Uh, hey, that's not what this movie's about. No, not not so much. Um, more demons than that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, in this film, Whitney Houston uh, plays a <laughs> forlorn housewife uh, who's visited by the demon of uh, Denzel Washington.
2: Still, still not doing The Preacher's <laughs> Wife, Arthur. <laughs> Arthur, did you watch The Preacher's Wife? Uh,
1: maybe. So I did read several articles about it, and uh, I'm ready to talk about it.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to identify the disembodied voices speaking directly to your brain at this point. Who are you in the recliner, sir? I am Arthur Gordon, and if it wasn't for
1: pizza and other fine Italian foods, there would be no happiness.
0: Oh, man. That's such a good line. That, that is one of my favorite lines in this entire film. It is excellent, excellent. Thank you for that,
2: Mr. Arthur Gordon. Who are you, sir? My name is Dalton Stewart, and let me tell you about the time I almost sounded smart.
0: Okay. No. <laughs> almost. <laughs> there there are many of those times. <laughs> Uh, my name is Dustin Sells and uh, I don't have a line I don't want to have a line I'm not going to have a line I refuse to have a line okay Okay. well that's your choice well time is on your side time is on as I was playing for time in that very moment yes indeed you are tuned in to the Good Trash Genrecast brought to you by the Good Trash Media Network found at goodtrashmedia.com and uh, what we're going to do here at this little show is we are going to do analysis not review of Denzel Washington's film Fallen what that means Dear listeners, that there will be spoilers. And this is a um, bit of a twisty kind of film, like the Book of Eli from last week. And so we're going to try to avoid those spoilers for the first uh, third or so of the show. What that means is simply this we will have a synopsis from The Voice the Cinema, which will, of course, be spoiler free. We will have thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, in which we will avoid spoilers. We will then play our game, which might involve mild spoilers of this film or other films in its orbit. And I think that directly could be possible this particular week. And then we get down to business and at that point there indeed shall be spoilers there are spoilers in them there are waters watch out for those crazy sea beasts you have been warned so without any further ado mr arthur gordon voice of the cinema hopefully time is now on your side as he scrolls through his cellular phone to find said synopsis let's hear the synopsis from you voice of the cinema
1: homicide detective john hobbs witnesses the execution of serial killer edgar reese soon after the execution the killings start again and they are very similar teresa's style filled with peanut butter
2: (laughs) oh boy that was good. That's one of those uh, those uh, slow burn jokes you hear about. Yeah, that w- <laughs> that was some that was some Norm McDonald shit. That was good. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a ghosty. It's it's a supernatural. I don't think
1: that synopsis has anything to do with this movie. That's like the first ten minutes
2: of this movie. Yeah, that's really the setup of the, of the movie. Yeah, that's the setup of the film. Um, and well, and I, I feel like a pretty good setup to like keep you completely spoiler free. Yeah, but let's. I think it's. I think it bears mentioning you should go in knowing it is a supernatural thriller. You're going to be pretty annoyed if you don't figure that out right away. It's not just a cop movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Denzel's a homicide detective, and it turns out the serial killer he busted was, you know, a supernatural.
0: Uh, A dude possessed by a demon, once right-handed when he played baseball, but now left-handed, as is all of those who serve the Lord Satan. Um, I don't think that's true. um, Well, uh, there were many who did at one point in time, (laughs) and so uh, that bit of mythology does carry on into the film. So let's hear what we think about uh, this great entry into Denzel Washington's oeuvre. What say you, Mr. Dalton Stewart? Thumbs up, thumbs down with the film Fallen. (laughs)
2: I like Fallen perfectly well for what it is. Um, I I will say that it does seem like the the last couple of weeks of Denzel, we're going out on almost a low note with Book of Eli and this, but I'm going to go ahead and speak for Fallen as the best kind of Denzel Washington movie, one of my favorite kinds of Denzel Washington movies. Yeah, Denzel's got movies like He Got Game, which are just really great. He's got movies like Crimson Tide, which are definitely more action movie than something like, He Got Game, they're they're much more plot-driven films uh, about consequence and action, Um, but it's still a very high level of that kind of film. This is a different kind of Denzel movie than either of those films. Uh, Training Day is kind of like um, a a film like Crimson Tide in that way, that it is a lot about plot and and consequences. Um, I don't know that we've done another film like He Got Game. I mean, He Got Game is definitely the 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 least good trash of all the movies we've done. Yeah,
1: right? I mean, that's something you'd find in one of our anti-trash marathons, probably more more so than, you know, yeah, you got game.
2: For sure. But again, it's still a different kind of Denzel movie. Yeah. Uh, a movie that, you know, a kind of Denzel movie he makes from time to time. This is the kind of movie like, almost like Devil in a Blue Dress, right? It's a movie that on its own is perfectly fine, but Denzel elevates it. And those are really some of my favorite Denzel Washington movies. I really appreciate Denzel movies that do that that give us a fairly okay movie and denzel comes and elevates the whole thing uh and that just kind of speaks to who he was for a a pretty big stretch in his career that i think we forget about you know before he became uh icon denzel i mean you know he was still super respected actor could open a movie denzel i mean because this is post philadelphia this is post glory the man's an academy award-winning actor uh but it is pre-training day right it is pre um the icon era that we talk about. Uh, and so I do like this stage in his career and I like this kind of movie. I, I think what fallen has going for it is three to four truly great scenes. Um, I think the opening is great. I think the climax is great. Um, there's a showcase of Azazel's power uh, when he kind of reveals the demon character kind of reveals itself to Denzel at one point. And that's a great scene. And there's maybe one or two other scenes that are also very good. The movie as a whole, not so much. And, and, and that is, you know, it is what it is. Um, it's got a couple of great scenes. And you know what? That's more than a lot of movies have to offer you. Uh, not many kind of fun, trashy movies offer you this many really good to great scenes. And for me, that's worth it. Um, direction is fine. Um, acting is really where this movie shines. Uh, Goodman's performance is great. Uh, Denzel's performance is great. Elias Cotius is great in a small role. Gandolfini great in a small role. Um, who's the chief of... Oh, um, Donald Sutherland is fine in a small role. Um, I can't think of her name, but she's uh, the actress that played Miss Honey in Matilda. Um, right, I cannot think of the actress's name, and it is driving me crazy because I really like her. Her I've name's
0: seen. Greta Molina, I think. Is that? Her? Or no, no, no the uh, the character name. Oh, the character the, name. Yeah, I can't yeah. think of the actress.
2: Her name is Imbeth Davids. Wait, really? Thank you, Arthur. Yeah, um, she's she's very good on Mad Men as well. Um, she, she's she's a really talented actress, and she's good here. Um, I, I, I like the the actor that plays Denzel Washington's brother. Yeah, Um, he's great. Because he does um, what is a really kind of small, nuanced, and not gross... uh, Now, the inclusion of a character with intellectual disabilities, I want to go ahead and mention, is kind of wasted here. Um, it, It is his character doesn't really have any agency he exists only to show how good Denzel is and that is a weakness in the film but that actor's performance is very good mm-hmm. it's a, it's a you would see performances of a character like that often be very kind of gross and caricature like uh, i think it's my roommate heath um who we we talk about on the show sometimes uh watched it with me did not realize that character had an intellectual disability um so i think that goes to show that the performance itself is you know pretty nuanced uh but the inclusion of that character in this film is kind of gross, honestly. Uh, because he that character is used only to lift up Denzel. And that's just a thing that happens sometimes. I mean, it doesn't make the movie bad, but it is a thing about the movie that's not great. Um, and I think what it speaks to is one of the larger problems that Fallen has, which is there's just too much going on. This movie has about two to three too many characters. I think if you condensed a couple of characters, if you made this film about maybe have one to two less subplots, I think it would move a lot much better. Clip. I think it'd be a lot more fun, and I think it could engage with its central premise a, a little bit more interestingly.
0: All righty, great script doctoring from Mr. Dalton Stewart right there. Oops, I didn't. I don't like doing that. That's okay. It's not uh, a bad thing. No, I don't care for that kind of reviewing. But I mean, that's that's my thought. There you go. And I, your thoughts are much appreciated, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What are your thoughts? Thumbs up, thumbs down on the film Fallen? Uh,
1: I think it's. Uh, I think it is a. I think Dalton said it best. It's good for what it is. Um, I think to kind of speak to this film's placement and why we chose it here, uh, next week, obviously, we'll be kicking off our annual Shocktober Marathon. Uh, We've kind of hit all the highlights of Denzel's career, the different periods, if you will. And so we wanted a film that kind of uh, was kind of a nice roundup. Uh, We've always wanted to do Fall, and It came up a lot. uh, And Elson says all the time. And so it's the perfect movie to finally sneak in, and it's a great transition into Shocktober. Um, So for that, I think it's a good bridge. Uh, I, I... I, I I like it. I think this is the perfect kind of Saturday afternoon movie. Yeah, and I think it fits that role a lot better than you know a Book of Eli because Book of Eli was kind of sold to be this big, you know, actiony sci-fi genre piece, and it just falls so flat. Uh, and I think this works so much better as this kind of procedural. Well, it's kind
2: of a forgotten film, Yeah. so you're able to go in with no expectations. Yeah. I mean, this is the movie that, as we mentioned last week, and I think uh, speaks to what you're saying. It's it's a perfect cable movie. Yeah.
1: It's, uh, I mean, it's underseen. It's, you know, well, I, don't, I don't remember, I don't remember trailers, promotional, anything for this film. Um, but it's really well done. Uh, like you said, all the performances are great. I actually love the casting here for uh, narrative reasons as, as far as intertextuality goes mm-hmm. uh, because of who is being cast. We've got Goodman. We've got Sutherland. We've got Gandolfini. And even just speaking back to the movies, we've seen Gandolfini before in this marathon in Crimson Tide. And we know what kind of character he plays there. We didn't know what kind of character types he plays in other films, and so those archetypes all feed into the way we understand this narrative. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. I really appreciate that uh, those casting choices, because when we do get to that climax, there are a lot of different directions that could have went, and they all would have worked just as well, I think.
2: Yeah, and I think the the way it does end up working is the best. Yeah, um, but yeah. you're right. But you're right. I think the the, your, the intertextual casting choices are working at such a high level. You're right. Yeah. It does. It's that really kind of good, high-level uh, blockbuster filmmaking or yeah. studio filmmaking where a good studio casting director uses what a, an audience expects out of certain actors as yeah. Red Herring sometimes.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so I appreciate all that about it. I think it's very well made. I do think it is very strongly made, uh, very competently made. Uh, the director, Gregory Hoblit, though, I think uh, probably... Didn't live up to the success of his previous film, Primal Fear, which I think is a much better film than this.
2: It's 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 stagier, but, yeah, yeah, it works a lot better.
1: And so, you know, you know, take it for what it is. But overall, I think it's a very watchable film. I think it's a very easy-to-watch film, enjoyable film to watch. And so I'm, I'm pretty pro on it.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Um, I was disappointed by the lack of musical numbers in this film. Um, and also the lack of ventriloquism, but uh, besides that it was now, I, what I want to say is the, the film is what it is i mean that 's really it, it, it is that, yes, you could nitpick bits and pieces, but all the performances are stand out they 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 're all very good no one 's phoning in their work um there there is a it 's a very very plotty kind of film with bits of reveal and sort of that you know um, that that hidden bit of narrative where they're they 're intentionally um, non disclosing uh, you know uh, uh, undisclosing kind of narrative That that all works for sort of a film noir I like the set design a lot I like how dingy this world is And yeah. uh, they, they make a big deal to make sure The police department looks really kind of gross So it's got this really yeah. 40s kind of feel
1: And when he's down in the uh, he, I, I guess he's like in the evidence locker or The case room, he's looking through the folders it has got that really kind of gritty, dirty look to it Yeah, and mm-hmm. so
0: th- that all works in sort of an atmospheric mm-hmm. kind of way And uh, I love the use of the ectochrome uh, film stock For uh, the uh, demon vision, um, you know, <laughs> which is great because it's, it's a still photography uh, kind of stock that's being used and it shoots at about four frames for every, you know, uh, 20, uh, it's four frames at a time, basically they're repeated. Yeah. And so it gives that sort of herky jerky kind of thing uh, that's going on uh, with it. So that, that really works really well. And I think it's just a good sort of stylistic bit of usage of the camera there. Um, I like the, uh, the, the extras, the extras are so great when they're doing the uh, touch. And the demon transferring from body part to body part, which I don't think is a spoiler mm-hmm. to say, um, that when that that sort of stuff's going on, it looks great. I mean, they're doing really, really good work um, as extras uh, for all of that. So yeah, I mean, the movie is what it is. It is... Um, but it is, in a way, sort of very, very basic. It's very much of its time, I'm sure we'll talk about the cycle of religious thrillers of the late 90s here more uh, towards the analysis part of the show. But it's, it's a fine entry into all of that. And uh, in terms of, well, I, I would say there's a, there's a narrative strategy that's being used here that I think is very, very effective. Uh, I will say no more about that at this point because I do want to avoid those spoilers. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's not, you know, again, just the most amazing movie of all time. It's not sort of incredible uh in, in any in any sort of way but it is also very very serviceable for exactly what it's trying to do and it accomplishes all of its goals quite well so uh there you go our biases are like yeah you know it's not citizen kane but whatever you know it, it, it not every movie has to be Citizen Kane. god i thankfully yeah because citizen kane's boring you know what? Fallens a lot of things. It's not boring. It's, no, it's not that. It's, it's that, fun to watch. Yeah, I had a good time watching. I intended to watch it in pieces, and I ended up watching it all the way through. Uh, when I did sit down to finally watch it, there you go. So, I mean, that does say something about its watchability. So, our biases are generally just uh, just to the right of pro. Uh, if we're going a left to right sort of zero to fifty to five hundred to hundred scale, uh, there's where it would happen. So, you know where the, we're coming from. But I also want you to know that you can be part of this conversation with us all, and you can do that via those magical means of social media. Dalton, this is the part of the show where you say things about social media. That's
2: right, Dustin. And in this part of the show, I'll say things about social media. That's right, listener. Time is on your side. You can engage with us at your leisure on a variety of internet-based forms, You can find us on Twitter. That's uh, goodtrash.com on Twitter at good underscore trash. Where else can you find Good Trash Media, you say? Well, I answer that you can find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash GTM. And one more time since I screwed it up a second ago, Twitter at good underscore trash. Lastly, if you do put this show in your ears through you know iTunes or Stitcher Radio or however, uh, you know rate, review, and subscribe to the show on that platform uh, because it does increase our visibility, and lets people know what we're about. Um, that's that's all that we really care about. Um, let people know what we're about, and uh, maybe they'll find it and they'll they'll be into it as much as we are. And uh, let us know if you're still into it, and if you're not still into it, why? And um, yeah, we like that feedback. Give us give us your, your your tasty takes. If I don't want any hot takes, though.
1: If if everybody loved to listen to Dalton talk as much as Dalton loved to listen to Dalton talk, we'd be a lot bigger right now. Oh
2: man, that was rough. That was that was sick burn. Damn, I was just trying to man. Okay, I I was just trying to keep my energy up during the really boring part of the show. Hey, do you want some aloe vera? Uh, Yeah, I do.
0: Badly. Okay. Well, we
2: we need to hold hands. Arthur, I give and I give, and you take
0: and you take,
2: and you talk and you talk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we need to hold hands and hug for a second. So we're going to take a brief break, and then we're going to come back and play the game. Time to play the game. (laughs) Got to play the game. <laughs> and we're back with this week's metagame in which we rank our ABWD films. That's right,
2: ranking ABWD films brought to you by Fallen and more specifically, Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington, thanks for being the best.
0: Yes, indeed. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Washington. So the way we're going to end up handling this is we're going to talk about the bottom five five. We're going to list the bottom five. The bottom five. And then we'll talk about our top five. In the interest of not being here all day. Okay, so all right. um, I guess I'll just go to you first, Arthur. What's the bottom five?
1: All right. From worst to better. I'm putting Book of Eli at the end. I'm going to follow that with American Gangster. Now, I want to I do want to say that there's kind of a jump between Book of Eli and everything else. I do want to say that. Yeah. Um, So Book of Eli, American Gangster. I'm going to put Fallen uh, next. Then I'm going to put uh, Devil in a Blue Dress, and then uh, Training Day. Those are my bottom five. Is that five? That's five. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That, that is it, five. All right. Whoa. That's
0: my bottom five. Uh, interesting choice. In, in, very interesting choices. All right, um, Dalton. What's your bottom five?
2: My bottom five uh, looks pretty similar to Arthur's. Down down at the very bottom, we do have Book of Eli, uh, followed right by American Gangster. And yeah, there's a pretty big jump um, in quality yeah. in terms of how much I like them pretty much the same, honestly. I like them about the same. Uh, American Gangster is definitely better than Book of Eli, but... I'd rather watch American Gangster again. uh, Yeah, that's fair. I think I'd probably glean... Just seeing how much more Dustin liked it than us makes me kind of want to rewatch that extended cut. Um, I've gone ahead and tied Fallen and Manchurian Candidate. I like them both uh, about the same. I both think they're very good in places. Uh, Manchurian Candidate's a little bit better than Fallen, um, just overall, but I think... They're operating at a kind of a similar high-level B-movie place, um, so that's why I've kind of lumped them together. And finally, uh, *Devil in a Blue Dress*, which I think again is not you know part of this marathon proper, but um, I, I think it definitely is in the upper echelons of the stuff we watched.
0: And I think I'm going to also sound very similar. I think we're all uh, putting Book of Eli at the very, very uh, bit bottom, which I mean, really kind of makes. It, sense. it was the only one we
1: universally trashed. Yeah, so. it, it's
0: just yeah, it's just not good. Um, but then I'm going to go ahead and give uh, the Manchurian Candidate and Fallen about the same ranking. Okay. I think at at, at t- whatever I guess number one worst, number two worst, number three worst. Uh, number four worst is a tough pick for me, but I think I would probably have to. Man, that's a t- I think I'd go with Crimson. um despite the fact i like it and then devil in a blue dress okay so for me i'm curious um
2: how big is that leap between Eli and Manchurian and Fallen? For oh,
0: me? it is, it is, it is one uh, great leap for mankind. Okay, because yeah. I remember you liked Manchurian
2: Candidate quite a bit. I do like Manchurian Candidate, probably more than Fallen. Kind of similar to me. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely like it's, it. Better. It's,
0: it's got like a hair's edge on it, but it's got a, It's it, it is a bit messy though as well. Yeah, and so I mean that's fair. And then the Crimson Tide is still good, but it is in some ways it's very. Just is what it is. It's very stagey, you know, in some ways. And so it does, it does not necessarily completely hit on all cylinders as an action film. Um, and the CGI doesn't age great. So, I mean, that's, that's generally, uh, where I come down on all of that. So let's go ahead and hear your top three. Um, Arthur, there's three left. What are they again? uh at number three
1: i i put manchurian candidate i enjoyed it quite a bit i i think it's an interesting film that's really strong yeah i think uh there are a lot of interesting uh, themes especially in you know light of today's political climate that work very well uh, some great performances not just from denzel but from schreiber and from merrill as well they're both i mean they're all three just killing it i think uh and so i like a lot of uh, what's going on i think uh, denzel's that's one of my favorite Denzel performances in that film. I I think the way he kind of parlays his known techniques and uses that to deliver a different type of performance uh, elevates a lot of that movie. And then you've got, you know, uh, Demi is just kind of a master, and we're kind of echoing a lot of the, the visual style of, of Silence of the Lambs. And you've got the cinematography of Tak Fujimoto. Uh, but it looks great. And so I really, I I just really liked it. I, I, I thought it was an v- extremely solid film, uh, that I gave a second chance to and enjoyed it.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What's your number three, Mr. Dalton Stewart?
2: At the bottom of the best of the best,
0: I have gone ahead and placed Training
2: Day. Um, I don't feel like we need to spend all day here talking about it, but it was hard for me because I actually wanted to cut it out of the top three just because I spent so much time talking about it and my my time talking about film. But it means a lot to me. You know, it's a, it's a film that is important to me not just for sentimental reasons, but also important to me in terms of. When I discovered Denzel, really. And I think that's why, for me, it had to be in the top three. Because it is really the movie that taught me about how great Denzel Washington is. And it's also the movie that taught me how much I like crime film. And it's the movie that taught me how much I like Ethan Hawke. Uh, and those th- three things for me. I mean, those those two actors in that kind of genre of filmmaking and storytelling... are, are th- Those are three things that are really important to me uh, and mean a lot to me. Like, my appreciation for those two actors in, in that genre all really does go back to training day and seeing it at a young age and really being blown away and be, and not knowing that you can make a movie like that. Um, and getting to talk about it with you guys was, you know, the next logical step for my relationship with training day. It's something I've always wanted to do. And I'm glad something we got to do. Um, Arthur sadly could not join us for that show. Um, but, um, I was here in spirit. I know you were, um, and we'll probably yeah, go he ahead. and Probably just, was in the cat.
1: I was fighting the fates to get here, and the fates won that they, night. They did so. win.
2: It. Hey, sometimes the dragon wins. That's we'll uh, we'll probably talk about off air, but getting to talk about it with Dustin uh, was just really special. And getting just watching it, there's such a different experience watching a movie for the show, knowing we're going to talk about it together than any other time I watch a movie. So. Training Day's got to be in the top three, man.
0: There you go. Um, I'm going to go with number three with American Gangster. And again, I did like this movie quite a bit more than you guys did, and I understand that. But it is hitting a lot of the uh, buttons of things I just generally like. I like these sort of novelistic tellings of the story of the rise and fall of a, a crime syndicate uh, or a crime leader. And so and Denzel, again, is just killing it in his role there. Russell is also very, very good in the film. And it, really, the rest of the supporting cast is fantastic. Also, I just love the conversation between the real events and the fake events. I love the sort of dialogue that is found in like the man who shot Liberty Valance. when you run up against a legend and you run up against the fact you always print the legend and how that is important and it's an, it's, an, it's a neat conversation to be having and uh, I think again it's provided uh, well by the film American Gangster and so uh, for my money I know you guys uh, did not be all put it in the, in the bottom five but I man I dig that movie a lot and I definitely think it's worth the time so that that's my number three. What's your number two, Mr. Arthur Gordon?
1: I've got a wheelhouse, and there are certain things that speak to that wheelhouse, and Crimson Tide is one of them. I think it is a superb uh, suspense film. I think I like Tony Scott a lot. I, I really do, and I think he is a master of that sort of a genre action film that he was so uh, you know well-known for, and it's something he worked with Denzel so often on. And I think Crimson Tide is probably the peak of that. I think that's really kind of sets the tone for their career. And I think it's underseen and I think more people need to see it. But I think it's firing on all cylinders. I'm also a sucker for two actors just going head to head Mm -hmm. and going all out and going over the top. And I think him and Hackman just have at it and it is a blast. And I wasn't expecting that. And so I, I really enjoyed that. And That's a movie that I think I could watch again and again and still be... On the edge of my seat and a bundle of just tension, just trying to figure out, you know, are we gonna, are we going to drop the bomb or not? And so I appreciate that, and I think it really stands up uh, outside of its its time in the early nineties.
0: There you go. Well, thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What's your number two pick, Mr. Dalton Stewart? My number two pick is also Crimson Tide. I could uh, see that face yeah. of agreement
2: there. I yeah. just. I, Dustin, you mentioned it's a little bit stagey. I kind of like that about it. Yeah. I kind of like that it is, as Arthur mentioned, it is kind of grand, and Hackman and Denzel are both kind of showboating a little bit, uh, and so is Gandolfini, and so is uh, Vigo. I mean, yeah. everybody is kind of on the same wavelength in yeah. that film, and they are—they know that they're all doing kind of stagey performances, and I really like that aspect of it. And again, it was just such a fun discovery for me, not only as a Denzel Washington film, but also as a Tony Scott film. I really. Was blown. I was bummed out when, when I realized Crimson Tide was a Tony Scott movie and that meant we weren't going to do Man on Fire. I was kind of bummed out, but I'm right there with Arthur. I did not expect to be blown over by this movie like I was because, yeah, it kept me absolutely enraptured uh, and just short of breath the whole movie. Um, and again, I knew was, I knew they were not going to end the world and I knew they were not because that's not a thing a studio movie would do. But, damn, it's just so exciting to watch. Um, and uh, I really did appreciate it for uh, all those reasons and all the reasons that Arthur said.
0: righty, Well, thank you very much for that. I will not belabor this film has been discussed a few times. but My number two pick is Training Day. Oh, thank which, you. Yeah, it's a great film. Uh, it's a movie that I – Thanks uh, for making it, Dalton. Uh, yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. I, I just like uh, – Anton Fuqua, Dalton Stewart, Fuqua. I, well, here's, here's the thing. It makes
2: me happy when people like the things that I, I talk about relentlessly.
0: Yeah, and it is good. It's a very, very good movie. It's a movie that I've liked for a long time, and uh, it's a. I mean, Denzel wins an Oscar for his performance here, and deservedly so. And so, it's got great lines. It's got great performances. It's got excellent casting of secondary characters and tertiary characters. I mean, that everything it does, it does very, very well. And uh, it's a movie that yeah, I, I could I could watch right now, and uh, that's a good test for the kind of movie um, that that sort of stands the test of time. So there you go. Let's talk about. It. Let's roll call now for. Number one, what is it, Arthur More Gordon? The
1: process of elimination tells us it's going to be He Got Game.
0: Right, which is
2: also Dalton's. He Got Game. Which is also mine. It is a masterpiece. It is. It's fantastic. It, I love it was movie.
1: my. I mean, it's my first real introduction to Spike Lee as a filmmaker. Uh, the only other experience I'd had with him is Inside Man. And it's a vastly different film. I think it is so well told. I think it is a story that transcends its, its genre. And, and, yes, it's looking through a microscope at... Uh, you know, urban black youths playing basketball. But I think it speaks to a country uh, that is enraptured with sports. And, and it speaks to the the, the white kid in, in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas or Texas or Oklahoma playing baseball. Or it speaks to uh, the Cuban children trying to go play baseball. You know, it, it, it's, it's such a universal film that works on more levels than I think anybody uh, may have expected. But it's so good. Denzel's great. <laughs> I mean, he's good in everything. But, I mean this is a top tier performance that he's putting in. And I, I love that he kind of plays the secondary character here and he's kind of not a great person. And I, I like that flawed character that he's putting in and, and he's so believable and he's so good and everyone else is just working uh, really well. And I, I, I appreciate it. I, I, I like this movie a lot. I think Lee is a great director. and I think he's doing some very interesting things from an editing standpoint, from a, a direction standpoint. And I think it all works. Uh, yeah, high marks. I, I think it's great.
2: I mean, it, it really is fitting that um the, the best movie in this marathon is also the best Denzel Washington performance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it does he does all the stuff that you want to see Denzel do. He, you know, he he speechifies, he's got the walk, he's got the laugh. I mean, he's got all that stuff that you want Denzel to do, but it is such a next-level performance in terms of nuance and like understated dialogue choices and like looks and gestures and it's it's all the great things that you want to see in a denzel washington performance in a film that is also really kind of great and daring for in formal ways uh daring in its choice of music and editing and and camera angles and just really making an intentionally old-timey feeling movie with very contemporary topics that are being dealt with and and not even contemporary not that the topics are contemporary i mean Race has been a topic in America as long as America has been a place. But doing it in a way that still feels vital and fresh, you know, it's so easy to go back and watch a movie that engages with race from, you know, 20 years ago at this. Even now, to go back to movies from the early 90s and see how they engage with race and just kind of roll your eyes at it. But Spike Lee, he knows what's up. Uh, He just, his takes, because I just watched uh, um, Do the Right Thing yesterday, and it holds up so well, I hadn't seen it in probably 10 years Uh, it holds up so well and He Got Game does it well I mean it just he does such a good job of speaking to timeless issues and speaking to them in a timeless way, in a way that's just really mind-blowing
0: absolutely I, I think the film is in a way prophetic and what i mean is not fortune telling it is a way that speaks truth into culture it's a truth bomb it's a saltate of truth mm. um, that comes from this film and uh, it is in a way as you say it is eternal in its evergreenness because it always keeps speaking to our moment we are right now recording the weekend of hashtag taken the nfl uh, and that whole controversy going on and this film speaks to this moment in a really sort of powerful kind of way, and continue to speak into moments as American uh, continues trying to move forward and so I think it's just a, it's it's a great film it's a timely film all the time strangely and it is a film that has so much nuance that it's always able to be a great conversation starter and so yeah it's it's too good for good trash clearly I think but I'm so glad we did it uh, for our marathon so it is definitely the number one pick of the marathon and the unanimity so declares it but we do realize we We are not any experts. We don't know everything. We're not the be-all, end-all. We didn't write the sacred books of Azazel. We don't know this kind of stuff. And so you may have some things that you would like to say. And you can tell us what your rankings are of the Denzel Washington films that we've examined throughout the course of this marathon via those magical means of social media already mentioned earlier in the show. But now, without any further ado, it is now time to get down to business. I say it. We're back in that business is, as always, analysis. I am excited to have this conversation. Usually we have this sort of preemptive thing in which I throw the questions down that I'm going to ask, but I have not done that this week. So uh, I'm going to give it to one of you all to broach the first topic.
2: Well, I do want to go ahead and real quickly, this is uh, one of the few times where we did try to stay super spoiler-free Going into analysis, and we know that there probably are a lot of people who are not going to watch the movie when they listen to this part. So I figure it's worth mentioning what actually happens in the film, since we haven't really talked about that at all. So uh, just to briefly expound upon... the Denzel's a sled. Yeah, I mean, there's a big twist, and it turns out... Uh, and he's made of people. Yeah, I mean, it, it is that kind of twist, right? It turns out the voiceover from Denzel the whole movie was Azazel all along. Yeah, Azazel uh, defeats Denzel. Uh, he's never able to jump into Denzel's body except for a few moments because Denzel has poisoned himself. But Denzel does not know that Azazel can also go into animals, yeah. uh, which is something that we learned pretty early in the movie about the midway point. Yeah. Uh, we learned as the audience learned that. And um, it turns out the bad guy won. And uh, Denzel has uh, given his life uh, potentially in vain. Um, he was unable to stop the forces of darkness. Uh, and I feel like that leads into one of my takes on the film pretty
0: well, before you get into that, I just want to give as a side note to this. I teach this film every year uh, when I teach English, when I talk about unreliable narrators. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is, this is my example par excellence of an unreliable narrator that you cannot rely upon. That is That makes you think it's the heroic Denzel, and it's not because the demon speaks in his voice.
2: Well, yeah, and I think uh, we were talking about this a little bit off air, but the, the nuance of that performance is really great.
0: Yeah, I,
1: I, I agree. Uh I don't know what I just did with my voice. Um yeah, I I, I think that it is very well done and as you would mentioned you'd watched it with uh, a friend of the show heath huffman who didn't kind of catch on nope. and so you know maybe because
2: i wonder yeah i wondered if maybe yeah. he's too some of his line reads because we all watched the film knowing the twist yeah and i thought some of the line reads were too sinister but yeah he didn't pick up on it and he's he's no dummy so but maybe I, they're not
1: i th- well i i also think it speaks to our trust in denzel yeah this actor that we've built this relationship you know, as as a movie star, as an actor we know what to expect from Denzel. He's a figure of ultimate goodness a lot of the time. Yes. And so we just know to believe him because Denzel's always reliable. Denzel's it's what makes that Training always, day performance work or that Fence's performance yes. work, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that's a lot. And again, it's going back to the casting here and, and the way the script's written, you know, just as much as we trust Denzel and we know what Denzel we know Denzel we know what he's going to do and we know that we can take his words for the gospel truth we know we can't trust James Gandolfini we can't trust Donald Sutherland we probably can't trust John Goodman and so I I think it's kind of it's the
2: counter of that it's the mirror of that Goodman's the one that's the most interesting to me because yeah Sutherland and Gandolfini you can almost never trust them on film with Goodman you get about a 50-50 split about whether or not he's trustworthy Uh, and I think that's what makes him so good as the partner yeah yeah, and and that's
1: part of it. You know, the big twist is obviously you know John Goodman's so sweet. You know, we don't want it to be him. Yeah, and, and so, but yeah, I, I think it works because you're right. I mean, he could be the or it could not be, and that's just a testament to. I mean, Goodman's so fun. I love John Goodman in everything, and he's he's such a sweetheart, and he's also such a brute, just a garish brute. And I love that he can go both ways and and make it work so well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I think that that narration choice is. Is very interesting, and I I think there's maybe a bit of, like, a black humor to it once you watch it again. You just kind of knowing, you know, there's that smarmy playfulness about Azazel that that we see so well with The Last Codeus. And he does so great. Uh, And, you know, fun fact, uh, Gandalfini and the girl that gets possessed later, they were all told to study Cateus' performances. Uh, so that they could all kind of reflect on that. That's
2: really cool. Yeah, oh, that's, 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 that's a cool because bit, yeah.
1: Uh, the the director really loved Cote's performances so much, and so they kind of wanted to uh, not necessarily emulate, but they wanted to be able to draw on that to for be their able to draw that
2: through line. Yep. And I think you're right that Denzel's line readings throughout the film do kind of when once you know what's going on, and that's the part for me that I was like, how is this not so fucking obvious? Because even early in the film, his patter in the VO is kind of similar to Elias yes. pattern. patter. Uh, that was something that I picked up on early that I was like, so sure, the people watching it with me were going to totally figure out, and they never did. Um, and it really kind of flabbergasted me. So I think that just speaks to Denzel's performance and what I like about that twist ending, which I, I totally get can be frustrating because it is kind of a rug-pulley twist. It does feel, I think it's more of a cop-out
1: if we don't know that he can go into animals. Like, I feel yeah. like since we've seen
0: I think it it's once, an it's, easy detail to miss, though. It is. It is. Yeah. I wanted a different rug pulley twist. I wanted uh, Gandolfini's mustache to come off. Woo! Does Benny Hill it out of there? Yeah. Did. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. For me, what works so
2: well about that twist, though, is the idea that it makes it a more morally complicated film for Denzel to lose. Yeah. It says yeah. the good fight is always the good fight, but do not forget, you will lose. There is no winning the good fight because the good fight, you're going to die. No matter how good a fight you fight, like no matter how much. Goodness, you try to put it out into the universe, you're going to die.
0: Well, I mean, he's fundamentally outmatched. Exactly. He is uh, and he's is one isn't...
2: person outmatched by the inherent kind of chaos and evil of the universe. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that pride comes
1: before the fall, but Denzel gets real cocky when he's sitting on that porch because mm-hmm. he thinks he's outsmarted him. Yeah. yeah. As, and as we're talking he... about a evil that has been around thousands of years. And he, he thinks he's the one man that's finally been able to outsmart this, this creature. Speaking
0: yeah. of aping Elias Codius' performance, there's a moment as Denzel is smoking his poisoned cigarette where he is chasing the bits of smoke to suck it down. Oh, it's yeah. exactly what Codius does oh, in the gas that's chamber. Nice, that's, that's a nice catch. Yeah. And, and then so I missed that. It, it, it's a cool thing. It's, it's, yeah. It sort of preempts what's going to happen yeah. here in that moment. But it's I like also that a lot. He, he's trying to get in Azazel's face by doing his shtick to mock him, which is, I think, just a brilliant little piece.
2: That is a really good thing. I, I didn't pick up on that, but I can see it clearly. Is data now that you mentioned it, I didn't draw that line though, and I think if we look, I, for me, what works so well about all of this that we're we're talking about, when you take it a, 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 a step deeper, if we look at Azazel as is like a representation of just like the general badness of people, right? Mm. People going to kill people. You can't stop that from happening. People are going to be unkind to people. They're going to use people. They're going to make people feel small and feel like things. No matter what you do in this world, you're not going to stop that. You can make that suffering less. You can help ease that suffering in others, but you can't stop it. And to think you can stop it is not only arrogance, it's just foolish, and it's not going to get any work done. And that's, I mean, you're right that there is a pride before the fall for uh, Hobbes in his thinking that he alone can can tame back this, this, this badness. Nah, man, all you did was keep your nephew safe. And you know what? Sometimes that's enough. That's and that's that's to me what I think is so special about the film and I think, I don't know that the film sees this and I don't really care but for me watching the film I was like Hobbes gets to go out thinking that he won and that's better than what actually happened. What actually yeah. happened well what actually happened is that he kind of lost but it's its own victory but Hobbes as a character would never see that as a victory. Yeah my, and that's my reading is that with him finally able with him successfully taking everything away from Denzel's character He's like, all right, fine. Fuck it. I'm going to leave him alone. Like, he, I, don't, I don't think Azazel goes after the kid. I think the kid remains safe. Yeah. And that's the small victory.
0: As he did the daughter. You know, the daughter he leaves alone. Exactly. Like, don't I know you? And so the, he does move on after he's done playing his game and having his fun.
2: Yeah, he, he picks a life to ruin. And once he's ruined the life, he's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm gone now.
0: And I do love your reading of Azazel as not necessarily, you know, a mythological or demonon- demonic kind of creature. That it is this sort of embodiment of chaos. Because I think one thing that can sort of uh, off-put some viewers the film is that you might not you might think that the only way you can dig this is if you're into uh you know again sort of christian cosmology and uh, and i want to say this that there is some great writing right now that i think would appeal to people who don't necessarily believe and that's the idea of the supernatural as not the real but as the virtual and i think i've talked about this on the show before where the virtual is not that which exists it's that which insists it's that which continues to speak back into human relationships and human culture it's a construct that uh, sort of of takes on its own personality. So, as groups of people gather together and they begin to put together society, there are these constructs that put together sets of values that are uh, the moral good, and there are also these sets of values that are the moral evil, and that those things have to be battled against, and they have to be resisted, they have to be again sort of interrogated and in questioned, and they have to evolve and endure uh, progress as society continues to evolve. And but they continue to keep speaking back into culture, saying, "Wait a minute! Just because we can doesn't mean we should." And there are these these things that we keep doing and just because it's always happened this way doesn't mean it necessarily has to be and so that resistance comes out of a thing that is sort of unkillable it is a sort of thing that's ancient it's this thing that is sort of in the in the human perspective it is eternal but this idea of virtuality and i'm leaning on john caputo a theologian and also peter rollins an irish theologian that i like a lot um for those kind of concepts but um if you begin to say okay i don't want to get into this whole jesus woo woo kind of stuff um, because it's just not my jam and uh, dealing with this kind of thing. I would, I would suggest to you if we consider these things as not that which exists but that which insists and that does carry uh, a little, sort of a small R sense of reality, um, then I think there's a way to interface with a film like this in which you can still kind of engage Well, it. and I think all, all stories
2: are more interesting when you
0: engage with them at that level. Uh,
2: I mean, I think all – and that's what we do here, right? I mean, that's the whole point of doing film analysis is – Saying, let's not take a look at this in its most literal ways, but let's try and see the ways that it speaks to something universal. And that's that's how Fallen does it, right? Is having this, this unkillable evil. And for the unkillable evil to be killed at the end does kind of defeat the purpose of this film. And while it does feel like kind of a rug pulley, the bad guy wins ending, I think it's more interesting and more nuanced than that.
0: Absolutely. Now I think we also need to talk about this film in terms of its part in a cycle of films these religious thrillers that are happening here in the late 90s and I think you guys have got some conclusions as to why's and wherefore's but what we see right now are a great many films in which the MacGuffin, whatever it happens to be is a text, it is a prophecy, it is a person. When you of, say right now you mean when this film was made. Right, right, at that moment. Let's
2: say 96 to 2000.
0: At Right then I guess I should yes. say. At that moment and it always involves this sort of gothic cathedral setting in which some sort of theology and instructor professor um, gives the goods the expository exposition goods uh, for what's going on there first of all before we get into the cycle I want to say this I'm a person who has hung out with these tweety jacketed folks Um, none of them look as good as Embeth A. Um, B. um, There is no club in which we all get together and we study our dusty old texts and think we're getting ready for the war like some sort of weird Van Helsing's (laughs) This is not real, and I want everyone to not be that interested in what's going on in seminaries. Maybe it's my way of keeping you away from it, and maybe it's just me trying to tell you the truth. You'll have to make your own conclusions from there. But um, anyway, let's talk about the 90s. How come they're doing this? I mean, let's talk about some of the movies, too.
1: Well, okay, so we're looking at a cycle. I think we've got – you know this is Fallen. This is 97. Uh, We've got a couple of sci-fi films that are – it's 97, isn't it? Or 98. It's 97, 98. Um, But uh, we've got – This coming in, we've also got the sci-fi stuff like Armageddon, Deep Impact is kind of happening right then as well. That's the end of the world as we know it. This whole theme is kind of running rampant through our blockbusters and our action films. Uh, We hit uh, Stigmata, we get Bless the Child, we get End the Days, uh, and I'm sure there are others that I'm forgetting. Uh, But those are the ones that definitely stick out to me from this time period. Uh, and, And it's interesting... For a couple of reasons, I mean, it's nothing new. I mean, we go back in time. We got Rosemary's Baby, we got The Omen. I mean, this is not a well. and a Even new tro- a
2: little bit further into 2006, The Omen remake, which kind of apes the same visual yeah. style as like Stigmata and uh, The Gift and all all those other yeah. films. The from that Reaping, here. I think that came yeah, out. There, there's it kind of stretched out into yeah. the mid aughts, and
1: I don't think it worked as well then. Yeah, it did because we'd gotten past the Millennium, which I think is a big driver in the late 90s because it spoke to people's anxieties. Yeah, because we, the media and the consumer mindset had driven this idea of we didn't know what was going to happen when the clock hit midnight on the year 2000. We didn't know what was, it was such a, I mean, there were people buying out groceries There were people stocking up their, you know, fallout shelters. There were people preparing for the apocalypse. And these, these movies definitely played on that so much. You know, we thought all of the personal data was going to be lost and the computers were going to be completely reset. And we were going to be going back to some sort of primitive stone age. It was so, Looking back, it's hilarious, uh, but at
2: the time, there was a lot of uh, people very
1: anxious about this
2: time. Well, and you're, you're right that it's hilarious because as you look at this cycle of film, right, evolving forward into films as, you know, I mean, we go forward from Fallen to Book of Eli, right? Films stop being about preventing a potential biblical apocalypse, and films start to become about living in an apocalypse or um, living in the... The end of the world war after, yeah. after a lot of post-apocalypse and mid-apocalypse movies, uh, you know, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, you you uh, Obviously, there's tons of the divergent movies. I'm not even going to go bo- go through the trouble of listing them. My point is, in a world changed by, um, you know, recorded footage of large-scale terror attacks and uh, refugee crises, um, energy crises, uh, um... Natural disasters and humanitarian crises resulting from those, climate change, all of these things, really a lot more serious than how are the computers going to handle the date change. Things that are actually, like, real in-your-face, yeah. apocalyptic-feeling things that are happening. Um, and you get that from, you know, 2001 to now. We've had almost 20 years of unmitigated shit show um, and it it changes the kind of ways that we engage with end-of-the-world anxieties. Well, it
0: was the last time in which we really began to take some of these end-of-the-world predictions seriously from the religious uh, sector of society yeah, yeah. You know, we, because it was a big odometer kind of uh, uh, rollover, which it turns out to be completely… You know, doesn't matter because the calendar is arbitrary to start with, and also Christ's birth was probably six BC anyway. So yeah, we're off by a little bit, anyhow. But all of that being said, uh, we were taking it very serious because I mean, really, I mean, today is is Sunday. uh, The what? The twenty second, twenty third, what day? Twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. On the twenty second, yesterday or twenty third yesterday, the end of the world was supposed to happen again. If you guys don't remember, there was a big thing on Facebook, and again, but really, no one paid attention. It was just one of those silly things we had a solar eclipse and there were some wackos who were talking about this being the sign of the end of days um this is, we don't take that kind of madness seriously any longer and or we just ignore that we're already living in the end of the days yeah Ooh. but yeah it, it's it's a thing where uh those sorts of ways of telling the story don't take the same kind of hold the uh, the, the, the apocalypse of the uh, of the zombie film yeah. becomes begins to sort of override that yeah
2: exactly the the you know, your twenty your twenty-eight days later, your day after tomorrow's is your twenty twelves, your Mad Max Free Roads, these are the things that take over. It is living through an absolute calamity or living in the aftermath of a calamity. It's not the idea that you can prevent a calamity. And that seems to be what a lot of these movies focus on, End of Days and Fallen especially. Um but but really a lot of these films deal with trying to prevent a calamity, right? right. Whereas as we've gone further, these same kinds of films have really evolved more into calamity films, and I think it's an interesting place for a cycle to go.
1: Yeah, but I think
2: Fallen stands out a little differently because it
1: the focus so much, like you said, within a Daze or with a, a you know Stigmata or Bless the Child, it's about stopping the apocalypse. But we never get that sort of motivation from Azazel in Fallen. It's n- yeah. never... Denzel
2: mentions it like once, but you are right; for yeah. Azazel, it never comes up. It's
1: not he's he's almost like a Loki type character, right? Mm-hmm. He's this kind of mischievous entity that's just there to create havoc and move on with his life after he's ruined somebody's you know life. Uh, and so that you know that to me makes it stand out. But it's also a procedural, and it. Mm-hmm. it It has that supernatural element, but it never really leans into the horror the way a stigmata or bless the child does. And Mm -hmm. it's not an action film in the way End of Days is. And so it's kind of its own little thing here in this world of, you know, the cycle that's just kind of going crank to 11 balls to the wall.
2: It does stand apart from them a little bit.
1: Yeah. And so to me, it's it's just an interesting picture of that time and that cycle uh, that was really big for for the time I mean you're talking about like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger who's in this end of days film I mean that's a lot of power for a star power for a
2: a genre film of that nature and that well especially, theme. And, especially a, a that, yeah, yeah. and especially at that tiny cycle yeah especially at that point in Arnold's career yeah. I mean his his power hadn't really waned yet it was kind of starting to dwindle yeah. And right around in the days is when he started to make the change to politics. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at that point, he still had a lot of clout, so you're right. I mean, it does speak to how impactful that cycle was.
0: So, well, there you go, dear listener. There's a great conversation to be had about what might be a somewhat mediocre film uh, like Fallen, and that's what we love to do. But we come now to the point in the show where we have to render a verdict regarding the film Fallen. Shelf for Trash, elsewhere instead it made the bottom thirds of everyone's list, so I'm curious to hear what is said now. So I go to you first off. Stewart, shuffle trash, else or instead? I'm going to say
2: it's worth shelving. I mean, it's not super streamable. It's kind of hard to find. And I think it is, uh, as we mentioned, it is among the better of this kind of Denzel movie. What should you pair it with uh, as you shelf it, especially if you want to add another Denzel movie in there? Probably Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide kind of operates in the same place. So does Devil in a Blue Dress, or maybe something like um, Out, of, Out of Time. Nick of Time. Shit, what's name Out of movie? Time.
0: Out of Time. Out of
1: Time is the other. The one that's not a time one. travel movie. Correct.
2: It's the one also directed by Carl Franklin. Correct. Um, th- those movies are kind of operating at the same level as Fallen is. Um, but I'd also recommend something we talked about right before we started this marathon, and that's The Cell, which I yeah. think does this kind of supernatural copy yeah. a little bit better than Fallen does. But it's still, you know, it, it, it sees the, the merit of, hey, let's t- take a serial killer movie and complicate it. Um, and cells really stick into that format a much closer. Um, but if fallen, like if you, you're like, man, fallen doesn't have enough of that. I wanted more of that. Go to the cell. Um, also check out Constantine, which we t- do talk about a lot on this show. I think it, it takes the same idea a little bit bigger. Uh, and it says, what if Denzel Washington's cop character was the secondary character in the lead was the, uh, the, 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 person with the dusty old books. And what if the person with the dusty old books has, you know, a shotgun, um, and that's Keanu. Constantine and is Keanu. Yeah, it's Constantine's fun. Um, it, it's exactly as good as Fallen, honestly. Um, but I, I think it also has merit for those reasons. The last thing that I'd recommend is really a thing that I thought of when Dustin was talking about um, the insistent um, taking the, you know, making religion less specific and trying to make it general again. Um, so I would recommend Damon Lindelof and Tom Prada's television show, The, the Leftovers, uh, which mm. ended its third three-season run this year. Uh, I know I talk about that quite a bit, but I really just like encouraging people to check it out. Um, and I think it speaks to what, Dustin, what you were speaking of, this idea that you, we're looking at these these themes, these characters, these things that reoccur throughout human history, these things that insist themselves into existence because – We can't stop doing them for whatever reason. Um, And and I think The Leftovers engages with that in the same way we were talking about it. This idea of let's go ahead and not do what fallen does. And instead of putting a name to something, let's kind of dance around some religiously slanted stuff to speak to human spirituality and human grief uh, in ways that nobody's doing right now.
0: Very good, very good. Thank you very much for that, Mister So What do you say, Arthur Gordon? Shelf for trash, Elser instead. I do want to shelf it. I, I think this
1: is an underseen movie, and I think that's sad. I think more people should watch this movie um, because it, it is it's fun and it's kind of different uh, for what it is, and it's an interesting way to marry this procedural with the supernatural. And so I kind of appreciate that about it. Um, so yeah. Watch it, uh, shelf it. I'm I'm, I'm about that. Uh, else, I've picked three films where evil wins. Uh, oh, the go supernatural on. evil wins.
2: Oh, I like this.
1: Uh, and so the first is about a true crime detective uh, whose uh, whole family gets murdered, uh, and that is sinister. Nice. I, I want to pair that also with uh, the movie where death wins and Final Destination uh, before nice. the uh, franchise went off the rails. Uh, and finally, I, I I would also suggest. Oculus, uh, from a really hot up and coming director, Mike Flanagan, who we might be revisiting next month. Um, but yeah, I, I think those are three movies. They all kind of have that supernatural element. They all probably lean a little more towards, obviously more towards horror. Um, but I, I, I like when the good guy doesn't always win. And I think that's a nice way. And I think horror is one of the only genres that can kind of get away with that and not make people mad. And so I that's think you're absolutely the way right. we have to go. Let's do that. But I, I, I think it's interesting to kind of uh, watch the battle unfold that way and, because the good guy doesn't always win. And I think it's important to remember that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Um, I am also going to say Shelf. This is a movie that I would totally own. I mean, I haven't got around to it because I haven't found it. But it's not like I, I haven't been looking for it, I guess I should say.
1: I'm just saying you can buy it with Training Day for five bucks. So, so that's
0: a good. I already own Training Day, though. So let's buy another copy. I need. I need lots of. Tra- I need more Training Day anyway. Probably right. Yeah, one yeah. for each room. One for each room. Have, you got Training Day. I, every I live every room house in color
2: training day is my scar face <laughs>
0: <laughs> training day on repeat y'all on repeat y'all uh so yeah i, I definitely want to pick that movie up and i i do want to recommend a little bit of the religious thriller i think this i want i want to call some picks so i'm gonna give you two picks to go with this one so it's gonna be a triple feature i think that's plenty to do this let's go as silly as we possibly can and just playing with christian mythology in crazy ways averting the apocalypse let's bring a zazel back but let's not have a zazel be the bad guy let's have a zazel be the cop let's have the bad guy let's have satan be vigo mortensen and also that the angel gabriel somehow fallen and we're gonna play him with christopher walken yeah let's have the prophecy y'all i know how much you love this movie it's, it is a ball we're gonna have to do this movie one of these Oh, days. it is i mean it's definitely good trash with the strength on the trash and the strength on the good i mean it's it, it, it's it's super trashy it's super good it's super fun and it's just wonky and wacky and christopher walken is just you know killing it good times uh, to be had by all. I think in terms of a serious conversation about religion and its insistence, persistence, existence, uh, all of those, uh, sort of transitive verbs that we can think about and just a conversation about what's going on. I think you could do no better than stigmata. I think it's really the strongest film from the cycle. Really, I really like it a lot. Blessed Child is very close for me as well, but I think uh, if I had to pick between the two, I think I'd pick stigmata, um, uh, despite it's, you know, uh, sort of overbearing Catholic imagery at times. Uh, it, It's just it's it's a very very um, interesting film. Uh, if you're going to have a theological, con- I would, I would say somebody who's into the dusty books, make them watch the movie. They'll probably cry a lot, but do it anyway. And then have that dusty book conversation with them. And I think you'll have a good time, uh, with this talking about Gnostic gospels, talking about the meaning of the gospel, talking about, again, sort of supernatural, uh, occurrences and, uh, those kind of things. I think stigmata is, yeah, I think it holds up and, uh, that's a movie we ought to revisit too, for that matter. Um, for the good trash honor cast cause it's definitely in the good trash category as well. So, uh, There you go, uh, dear listener. Those are our picks and suggestions. Your syllabus just got longer. But now that we've pulled this particular train into the station, hashtag ABWD now ends, and we are all sad about that. We now launch full-fledged and full-throttle into Shocktober. It's going to be a good time. Um, Arthur Gordon, tell us what we're watching first, man. Next week. Whitney Houston goes back to high school. God damn it.
1: (laughs) Arthur, we're not doing The Preacher's Wife. Okay. Uh, Well, Nev Campbell transfers
2: to a different high school. Now we're talking. Where she joins a coven of witches in in The Craft. I'm so excited. I've never seen this movie, and I've wanted to for so long. My first real date
0: in which I got into a car and drove to somebody's house and watched a movie was this film. Pretty
2: Pretty much. most of the girls I've ever had a crush on liked this movie, and somehow I've never Checks seen out. it. Yeah, I know it Checks does. Out. Shut up. I'm aware. My point is, I've been wanting to see this for a long time. It is super up my. Alley. I don't think I ever saw it. I think I remember being I on like either. Fox
1: or something one night, maybe watching a few minutes of it. But yeah, I never got around to it's it. It's
2: one of those movies that I'm like hyper aware of. Like even down to like plot events, I'm yeah. kind of aware of. I've, really, I've just
1: never seen it. Well, I've really been wanting to re-watch uh, it since uh, I, I know the faculty pretty talks about it a lot. They and,
2: did an episode that touched on it. The faculty, uh,
1: yeah, they did a witches episode. And it was
2: good.
0: Yeah, and yeah. and
1: Alex West is obviously working on her new '90s horror book, and I think this is going to have a chapter or so. And so that's kind of been on my mind, and so I'm I'm excited. I'm interested to watch this.
0: Yeah, I am. Too. I haven't seen it since that date. So uh, this going to be. So did you actually
1: bad. watch it during that date?
0: Some. Fair enough <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this movie So uh, well there you go dear listener We're going to talk the craft next week um, So whether you are fallen and already in that state Or you're dipping your toes In the Satan's brew I guess uh, for, for the craft <laughs> Or you're just interested in having a conversation Because that's what the movies are all about It's all about more than that 90 minutes in the bucket of popcorn It's about the conversation So you keep watching We'll keep talking And we'll see you all next time
2: Thanks for tuning in to the Good Trash Genre Cast. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a production of GoodTrashMedia.com. For more info on all things good trash, head over to GoodTrashMedia.com. As always, our intro music is a supercut by our own Arthur Gordon, featuring music by Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL. And our outro music this week is Time is on My Side by the Rolling Stones.